just taking you all in. <clears throat> and also letting you know that uh, without going into many details, we've had another of our young, uh, one of our Sangha members, another young son who's passed unexpectedly. Uh, so just hold, hold your heart open. Um, for a mother who's lost a son, it seems to be something we have a little too much of these days. So. Yeah, more will be coming. So let's now sit together.
This is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. I want, to, I want to encourage you all again, if you're not familiar with the verses that we, we sometimes use, and you don't have them in front of you, attempt to follow my voice, since it's the only one you're hearing, as best you can. Um, you can stumble along and make lots of mistakes because no one can hear you. But this is the way we practice always, really we follow someone or something as best we can, wholeheartedly, making our mistakes, and slowly it becomes part of our embodied reality in our life. And the words over time will have deep meaning and keep unfolding for you. Uh, I would assure you, <laughs> at least that it has for me and for many. So, so please uh, just watch um, and listen and try to follow along and it will begin to form itself in you and uh, just like all the practice all the practice does <clears throat> you know uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks um, that i've just recently become kind of interested in the ancient uh, form of japanese poetry the tanka and beginning a few weeks ago, you know, I used the small piece that Bonnie Trudell had brought to us uh, about ice and rock and and then following that, the raindrops at midnight. And, you know, I, I do use a lot of poetry, poetry and imagery, because I think poetry, you know, offers a voice and attempts to utilize language for what is beyond words and can't really be spoken so easily with the human voice. In other words, good poetry can be what I, I might call for my, my position a Zen voice, which invites and encourages us and it and inspires us and maybe challenges us to walk through what we might call the gateless gate in Zen or along the groundless path into the embodied, inconceivable life that we're living. But, but here I go using poetic analogies uh, to point the way. This is, this is how we, once again, kind of stumble along and find our way if using language and using our body to express it by voicing it. And I brought another today, um, 
which uh, Judy Myers had let me know about. It's written over a thousand years ago by Izumi Shikibu, which uh, a woman who's considered by many to be the greatest, one of the greatest poets of the Heian period in Japan and possibly the greatest master of the Tonka form. Uh, a great woman uh, and a great poet. The Tonka form preceded haiku, actually. Um, it literally means short poem or short song. And it's uh, classically it was a free verse that had 31 syllables. And uh, Japanese uh, poets would write it in one unbroken line. Um, when I was at Rinsuin, uh, Suzuki Roshi's temple in Japan, um, practicing, we were, uh, I laughingly say, we were in the, the new temple because the old one had burned down and this one was built, I think, in 1490. That was a new one. And as you go up to the Kaisando, it goes up the hill through this beautiful uh, wooden hallway. And um, when, when you would walk down, you would see on the rafters these big planks of wood. And I asked uh, Huitsu Suzuki, Suzuki Roshi's son, what they were. And he said they were records of uh, poetry meetings. And you would see in Japanese script these long 31 syllable poems written. And then the next person would come and write one in response. And it was this living record of a moment of practice together. They were quite beautiful. Uh, a lot of the contemporary Japanese poets will write these tankas in three lines. And um, usually when it's spoken in English or written in English, uh, they utilize five lines. I think in American poetry, they're called, well, it's a foreign word, shinkwan, five, five lines. Here, here's, here's the, uh, the poem by Izumi Shikibu. And this is a translation by the wonderful poet Jane Hirschfield, who I'm sure many of you might have, have seen. Um, I can link her speaking in just a four-minute reflection about this poem and about her translation of it and how it changed her life. I can link that when we, we post this, this video. Uh, Jane Hirschfield practiced at Tassajara um, in her memorial to Blanche Hartman when she died. My teacher, she said that Blanche and her husband Lou were her spiritual godparents. Here's the poem. Although the wind blows terribly here, the moonlight also leaks between the roof planks of this ruined house. Although the wind blows terribly here, the moonlight also leaks between the roof planks of this ruined house. It's one of those masterful pieces in which there's so much packed into a, a short five lines. And rather than, uh, this isn't about poetry analysis, but about how it calls forward our practice, um, because I think the, the poet is, and, and in Jane Hirschfield's translation, they're speaking of aliveness, full human aliveness, which is what our practice is about. But this full human aliveness is only possible when we are permeated, permeated, we allow ourselves to be permeated by life's difficulties.
That doesn't mean overwhelmed, but those between the roof planks of this ruined house, moonlight comes, even though the wind is blowing terribly. And we, we sometimes act or feel or think that if we, we could truly enjoy our life, if we could just be protected from it, if everything was just totally safe and good and right. But this doesn't make any sense because being protected from all of our so-called difficulties or problems will also, of course, blunt ordinary care and kindness, uh, joy, um, and even love as we struggle to buffer ourselves against pain and loss and grief and fear. And of course, these difficult things are things we don't want, but but many of us are likely to arrive in practice, like arrive here even today, to help uh, calm the winds, <laughs> the strong winds that we feel, and to mend, or, or hopefully we think we're going to mend the leaks in what seems to be like our ruined house ourself. And somehow we know this, of course, somewhere, but it's hard to admit it. And even harder to actually live it. And so at the end of her little uh, reflection on this poem, uh, I love Jane Hirschfield says, may your house be a little ruined and your roof a little leaky. <laughs> Not only will we be more permeable to life, but what is unborn or unlived in us can be released as well. Something can permeate or penetrate and reach us, but also something can be released. And in terms of that release, here's an even more fierce reflection, I apologize, on this powerful practice of shaking up our house and finding what's what's there. This is from uh, the Native American writer and environmentalist Linda Hogan, some of you may know. Um, it's a, I'm going to read just a very brief few sentences here from something she wrote called Seed. She says, there are so many beginnings. In Japan, I recall, there were wildflowers that grew in the far, cool regions of the mountains. And the bricks of Hiroshima, the buildings down below, were made from clay from those mountains. And so the walls of houses and shops held the dormant trumpet flower seeds. But after one group of humans killed another with the explosive power of life's smallest element split wide apart, the mountain flowers began to grow out of destruction and bomb heat and the falling of walls, the seeds opened up and grew. What a horrible beauty. The world going its own way, growing without us, but perhaps this too speaks of survival of hope beyond our time.
I know it's a more fierce image, but it's not any more fierce than sometimes what it feels like. You know, we generally come to practice either because we're we're either inspired by by something that calls us, or more than likely we're suffering in ways in which we feel like we don't have any other option. I know in my own case it felt like the last ditch effort, not because my life was so terrible, but there are things that I couldn't quite settle, and that. Of course, throughout my whole life, I'm still working to, to settle and to come to terms with and to understand and to deepen. The moon shining through the roof, even though the wind blows terribly, inspires this possibility. But the loss of ground sometimes feel like total destruction, like the loss of a child can release some potential which maybe might not come in any other way. That doesn't mean it's a good thing. It means it's a possible thing. Hogan says, growing without us. She talks about survival, hope beyond our time. What grows beyond the self-centered dream? And aside from our self-referenced ideas, you know, what survives the heat and falling apart that deep practice actually ushers us into. What does hope look like if it's not just self-reference, if it's not just hope for me, about me? And all this can can sound powerful, but it also can stay really abstract if, if it's pointing to something profoundly transformational, which I have confidence in, um, but if it doesn't touch the heart of practice, and so I've invited um, my, my good friend and, and teacher, Trudy Johnson, to join me. I've asked her to raise her hand. I'm raising her hand <laughs> um, to share some of what she's written and experienced just in the last weeks. Uh, because I think she shared it with me. It brings these powerful potentials and, pol and polarities uh, to the, the, the heart of the matter. And I'll let her speak about whatever she'd like in this, and uh, and we'll we'll carry forward. Mm, thank you. Um, just a, a short. I listened to the Jane Herschel piece, and um, and and the wind was blowing <laughs> pretty mm -hmm. strong, um, but the invitation and the connection felt like light. So just even that little moment of um, of hearing that poem in, and her describing it was so um, en enlivening um, and the wind blows. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd written to um, Flint with a poem that I'd written after a meeting and um, in the email I described a practice that I'd done with a group of women friends, um, which some of you may know, I'm sure, which is um, st standing in a circle and having like about five or six or seven skeins of wool and uh, you loop them round your waist if you've got one of the balls of wool and then you throw it to someone in the group and they loop it round their waist, making sure not to make it so tight that you can't get out of it. <laughs> So you don't want to be trapped in it. Um, and then they throw it to someone else. And um, 
and these balls of wool just uh, cross and crisscross and connect and in the end you end up with the the invisible made visible the connection between us um, and it's so powerful it's so evocative to do it as a just that you know the, the all these connections that we have and you can you can kind of lean back and let the let the web <laughs> take some pressure and you can move and sway and it's a deliciously beautiful practice um yeah making the invisible visible um and and i wrote about that in my email to flint and then i also wrote about um that when I saw that Jessica had become head student and we were being invited to meet, um, I had such a strong impulse. I was like, oh, I'm on it. <laughs> I'm going. Um, and I haven't met really Jessica. I'd just seen her face and um, felt drawn, just felt really, really drawn. Um, and so I typed in my name and got my meeting set up and, and um, met with her and um it it was so i it, it felt like we met like here's two people sitting on different sides of a, a vast body of water um who've never been in each other's physical presence and there was something in us that met that felt so um kind of shared and um I was exploring what I always explore, which is um, <laughs> I, I studied in a, a, a meditation, an ashram many years ago, and we had a phrase which we called, which was bogey yogis, you know, like where you wear all the gear and you have your bindi and you, you do it, you know, but really, <laughs> really, um, you know, and I carry a kind of constant fear and, and sort of anxiety about um yeah my practice and it's not even good enough it's something else it's like something um and i was exploring that very in gen and jessica was being really generous in her response to me and we recalled um the the piece that flint had read in the uh, inquiry that week which was about um the rain penetrating not just the moss but the stone um, and I live near um, a lot of limestone paving and an area in um, Derbyshire and uh, called uh, it's limestone and limestone is porous and won't hold water. And as we were talking, I just had this really powerful sort of sense of um, the Dharma of practice um, seeping through kind of right inside and um and the outside still looking exactly like it looks um you know it's kind of like nothing looks like there's um yeah it doesn't look different um but underneath these um limestone paving when the water gets far enough and hits bedrock um it starts to collect and it makes rivers and it makes galleries and grottos and it's just a, an extraordinary landscape formed through drops just drops of water um, 
and something in me felt kind of really heartened by that maybe maybe if i just if i just keep sitting under the dripping water long enough <laughs> something something is happening um that's kind of nothing to do with me and that was the other kind of piece was just feeling like i i i think this is probably just nothing to do with me um, I just have to kind of keep sitting un under the drops of wisdom and love and connection and and um, and who knows who knows what's happening. Um, so as these things kind of move in me, the, the, I I wrote a poem. So um, I wrote a poem for Jessica because that was such a heartfelt touching connection so so the poem is called um we can let it be mysterious because it is talking with a new friend we were exploring whether there was some endless unknown comparative other that i wasn't couldn't be she offered some remembered lines from a poem water penetrating not just moss but rock as well and the invisible rivers of the limestone dales deep below the green and slabby stone-strewn landscape came to my mind. Dripping water scouring bedrock into winding, twisting riverbeds, echoing cathedral spaces and fantastical pillars. Can I allow myself to be scoured by love, by connection, by intimacy, to let go of seeming, to be big enough to hold a subterranean river flowing deep with life. To be big enough to hold a subterranean river flowing deep with life. A mysterious, hidden landscape. For we can let it be mysterious, because it is. To trust that so much more is unfolding and flowing than my small self can ever know to trust that so much more is unfolding and flowing than my small self forever can ever know for Jessica thank you Trudy hmm. please just stay here uh, with me hmm. you can understand now all of you who have heard this um, why I would ask her to, to come forward Because our practice invites us to trust something that maybe it's hard to trust, as Trudy said, to offer ourselves to, you know, this unfolding that isn't really about ourselves, to find this flowing and this knowing of the mysterious hidden landscape, to trust that so much more is unfolding and flowing than myself small self can ever know. As I was looking at a, a couple of things after Trudy and I spoke and I had read the poem, and I was also thinking about the piece that I had read from Linda Hogan, which is so fierce and includes that reference to an atomic bomb. I came across another uh, piece by her, which I'm only going to read a few lines from, but it reminded me, Trudy, of your walking in, in, in Derbyshire. 
And curiously, the hill country of central Texas around Austin is all limestone, and it's exactly the same thing. We live on the Edwards Aquifer, huge underground river there. But here, here's just a few more words from Linda Hogan, lest you think she's um, all difficulty. <laughs> she says, sometimes I hear it talking. Sometimes I hear it talking. The light of the sunflower was one language, but there are others more audible. Once in the redwood forest, I heard a beat, something like a, a drum or a heart coming from the ground and trees and wind that underground current that underground current stirred a kind of knowing inside me a kinship and longing a dream barely remembered that disappeared back to the body I'm walking now i'm listening in a deeper way suddenly all my ancestors are behind me be still they say watch and listen you are the result of the love of thousands. Which is exactly what your, your poem and your one uh, connection with Jessica certainly inspired. So. so this, you know, calls our practice questions. Uh, what's beginning in you now? What's opening? Uh, what's ruined? What is it? What does our practice make possible? This allowing myself to be scoured. Just trust that so much more is unfolding. What's moving in you right now as a result of what, what we've spoken of? Please raise your hand and come forward. We, each of us might have something to say. You can't let Trudy do all of the heavy lifting today. <laughs> there she comes. Now she's unmuted. What did we miss? What you said? Say that again. Oh, sorry. Um, I just wanted to thank Trudy. Um, I, I I wanted to meet you. That's why I raised my hand. <laughs> um, such a lovely expression um, of your experience. And um, it brought me to tears. It's just so wonderful that you're able to share that in, in such a public way. Um, and I, I just I, I just wanted to say thank you. So it, it means so much to me. And I have also, I was at the intensive where Jessica, I don't even know was the, was made head student. Is that the correct term? Yeah. Intern as head student. And Trudy and, has done yeah. this as well. Trudy was head student in England. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but I have also been thinking, I'm rather new to Appamata, but I have I have been thinking of setting asking for tea. And Jessica <laughs> is the one that I would absolutely want to um do that with so it inspires me as well that you had such a wonderful experience when you when you clicked that button and made it happen so, so I, I i intend to follow in your footsteps so, oh, thank please you do. 
it's such um uh allowing ourselves to connect despite our fear and anxiety and and i have you know seriously sweaty palms and all of that um and uh you know and i feel held by um by love and it's like that's what allows us to come forward so um please meet and um enjoy thank you thank you <laughs> thank and, you and thank you for uh, hitting your button sheila so you would come yeah <laughs> and and i would uh, just remind everyone too that uh jessica is sharing the seat with nate um they, they're doing a a shared head student uh, offering which is wonderful it's much like uh, peg and i have walked through this time at appamata together certainly trudy and and, and josh have done that um, in, in the north of england and and so please reach out to both of them because i know they would welcome your your invitation thanks sheila thank you hi everyone hi Hi, Trudy and Flint. Thank you for this beautiful. I'm. I love poetry, so I, I love hearing this short, potent ones. Really amazing. Um. Few things that came to my heart as you were speaking. Um, I love the word leaking. Because instead of shining through, what it brought up in me was this: like, in spite of myself. The moonlight comes in anyway. You know, it's like this really interesting use of language, the leaking. It was um, just beautiful to, it just touched me in a, in a particular way. So I feel like this, um, you know, I'm, I'm recovering from this surgery and it's been such a big, I'm recovering from a craniotomy, those of you who don't know that. And it's been this total reorientation. It's a vestibular, my vestibular nerve center was disturbed. So it's like this really interesting way of reorienting to everything. And I've had to really dial into this sense of how can I find joy and contentment in this extreme vulnerability? This, this is a long haul recovery. This is like a year of recovery. And so I'm like, I can't wait a year <laughs> to be joyful. I'm going to have to figure out how to like work with this. So I really, it's just that leaking aspect just touched me within that context. I also really appreciated this sense of, I used to think it was really annoying when I was grieving the loss of someone or something that the world goes on. I used to find that really unnerving. And so Flint, when you were talking about that as a hope, as hope that life goes on because life will go on and on and on and that we can have an imprint, that we can leave something. And it reminded me of this um, birthday, this significant birthday when I outlived my mom in age, I was turning 45 and I went to Woodstock, New York. So I was born in New York. And I went to Woodstock, New York and um, took a hike the day of my birthday. And um, it was, I came upon this house that I don't, it was this huge structure um, and trees were growing up inside of it and vines. And there were just 
crumbling. I mean, it, it looked like it was more than a house. It, it might've been a hotel at some point or something. And it was just this extraordinary structure left behind with all of this growth, all of these amazing trees and everything growing up into it. And I thought, you know, we're going to be long gone and life is going to move into this, whatever we, and we choose to, we choose to decide what we leave behind. So I just wanted to share those two thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, that word leaking really did capture me too. It stood out. It's very different than shining. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it uses that water image. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Thank you. Both. Does your vestibular thing, did it make you dizzy? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh. I have no vestibular nerve on the right side. Oh, Trudy. Mm. I have labyrinthitis. I know <laughs> a lot mm -hmm. about dizziness and I'm finding finding a still place when it it's actually not there. Right. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm glad to know that there's someone walking with me on that journey. Wobbling with you. <laughs> yes. It is a very um it's a humbling experience, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and for her, I know that she had had that kind of uh, experience, which I, I like your description to find a, a still place when there isn't one. Yeah. And on the other side, my own beloved partner, Aaron, had a craniotomy because he had a tumor. So I understand what a recovery from that is like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's not for the faint of heart. No, it's a slow, uh, leaking, uh, difficulty, blessing, all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it's you're living in this, there is this unknown mm -hmm. that's in your every moment. Because mm -hmm. neurology, it's a science, but it's so, I mean, being a neurologist, I think is probably the best gig ever, because you don't have to have any guarantees, no outcomes, no determining kind of how you'll end up. But um, well, you're, you're poking around in a mysterious place. Oh. Yes. It's, it's, it's ex really frustrating and also extreme, really, really expansive at the same time. So I try to stay on the air side of expansive. Would you, just because our metaphors are, are carrying forward, because I read the, the piece by Hogan about the incinerated home, something being released, and you shared in the, in, in the intensive, uh, since the Colorado fires, you live in Colorado, that there was a particular thing remaining in one of your friend's homes. Could you just tell that story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have a, a friend who lives in Louisville and Colorado, and there was a fire that they think started because some wires came down during a storm. There were hurricane force winds that day, and it just took out subdivisions of homes within a matter of hours. She was in Puerto Rico, and um, she lost her home, her car, her cat, um, and it all that was left standing of, of her home was a Kuan Yin statue. Hmm. Um, and do you have the, do you have the photo Flint? Yeah. So can I take the liberty of reading a poem that I wrote about this? Sure. And while you're looking, when you look around everything, everything, that's a pickup truck is incinerated yeah. and she sits yeah. in ease, yeah. royal ease. Yeah. Please, let's go ahead. Okay, so this is what I wrote about it. 
When she first told us, she listed out the things most dear. Two decades of soul collage, handmade mosaics in every window, process painting, gardening, children's art and birth books, grandparents' legacy, dad's meditation shawl, her wedding ring, her son's clay turtle, rainbow weaving and sunflower and self-portrait, her other son's family newsletters and battle scenes and mazes, decades of pictures saved on a laptop, hammock, trampoline, the porch her son built, their cars, climbing, camping, skiing, and biking equipment. All of this that made up not merely a home, but a self-proclaimed sacred space, a part of her, like bones. Then she said, Swaha, all is gone. I have been holding this word, Swaha, ever since. Swaha, so be it, by the fierce power of Agni, the fire. Swaha, okay, I surrender. I surrender now, and now, and now. Swaha, it is easy to curl into a ball and let the inertia of grief, grief envelop you. It is the greatest courage to let the inertia be alchemized into the gratitude that gets you up and open to all that is being revealed to you. Swaha, I am connected now to all of the griefs of the world for all those who have lost everything. Swaha, I am not my possessions. I am something else entirely. Swaha, when all has dropped away, the steady gaze and comfort of compassion remains. It lives in our blood, behind our eyes. It helps us to remember the power of the invisible. Swaha, to raise your hands to the sky and say thank you. Thank you for all that remains, for all that is not lost, that has not gone. It's a little bell for now. Thank you for letting me read it. Thank you. It's these these things are the the balls of yarn we're throwing and wrapping ourselves in. Yes. All of us. May your recovery continue well, Liz. Thank you. Thank you both. Have Penelope next. Um, thank you, everyone who has done these beautiful, beautiful reflections today. Um, it means so much because, like you all have all said, it it we're in this together. So this is such support. But what I wanted to say pertinently now is um, that regard in relation to what Flint was saying about Hiroshima and the clay and the flowers blooming and that it was a terrible yet beautiful image. Um, as I was driving back home this morning from an appointment, uh, I, I live in an urban area downtown and so I saw on the main road going called Main Avenue, um, going home, there was a man who was like lying halfway into the, like he was either passed out or dead or something, but he was in the lane, you know, like he was like falling over the curbing and no, everybody was just going along and, you know, the cars all driving by. And so I thought, I can't believe the, you know, like if a bus would have come along, he would have been run over or any kind of a 
thing like that. So luckily there was a driveway right down that. And I pulled in and I, I called 911 and I, I told them what happened. And they said, well, is he the man in the white shirt with the tan pants? Yes. And I said, yes. And uh, they said, are you going to stay? And the police are coming and the EMS and all that. And I said, yes, I'm going to stay until they come. So I walked over and a man had just walked past, you know, he had his headphones on. And I said, did you see the man? And he's like, whatever, you know, and kept walking on. And so the EMS came and and said, hey, guy, get up. And they he was alive and they got him up. And I guess he was passed out from drugs or something. Um, so I made sure that, you know, he was OK. And then I got back in my car and I looked around and the EMS had gone and the man was just walking along and it was such a horrible thing because you thought he's you know it's like not like they took him away somewhere safe you know in other words they realized that he was I guess on some kind of substances or whatever passed out and so I was crying by this point you know because I just felt like I you know in other words you can't save the world so um my daughter called right at that moment and I was talking to her as I continued driving home, so upset. And anyway, the next image was I was at the crosswalk, you know, at the light and a man came walking across the street, acting like a horse, you know, how you jog along like that. And he had his little two-year-old son on his shoulders. And, you know, so this was, they were both in complete joy. And I was just blown away that, you know, it was that whole thing, like, this was so terrible, yet this other image was so beautiful of the new life, and it's, like you're saying, it's always seeping through, and it's a, it's a circle, but I, I don't know, I just had to show that it was just so profound, this, I mean, huge examples right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so ones that impacted you. Uh, you noticed what you're telling us, not to make this too simplistic, is the difference between uh, the result of your practice and, and maybe not being so attentive. I don't, I'm not judging the other people. I'm just saying you something said, I want to pay attention. I want to keep my heart open. I want to do what I can do. And I want to be open to the difficulties, the, the ruined house, the roof breaking, and the joy that can come through at the same time. So your, your practice makes a difference, Penelope. Yes. And you have a good reminder over your left shoulder back there on the wall. <laughs> That's true. That's Athena. Oh? That's her name. Oh, the skeleton. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you both. And I turned to, uh, oh, Rosemarie, wait, come on in. I was just turning to gallery view for a minute to look at everyone. <laughs> um, hi, I'm, I'm not really sick. I'm just feeling a little lightheaded, but um, which I was kind of really, <laughs> what's that? I said, of course you are. That seems to be the theme today. I know, I know. 
Um, well, the, um, the image of the light leaking through the fierce wind. Um, I was thinking of the pandemic and all of the pain and suffering and how this beautiful garden of the global Appamata came out of that. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess I'm one of the um, sprouting somethings um, that came out of it because uh, um, it got me uh, starting to meditate and then reaching out to Flint and then coming to inquiry. That was my very first um, experience. And um, Trudy, um, your vulnerability with, with Jessica was so beautiful. And um, um, yeah, I find that um, these experiences, these connectings here, uh, meetings with spiritual friends, um, sitting with folks, and then our little after zazen, after inquiry, um, they're so powerful. And um, there's a lot of rawness that, that comes out of it and scouring. I think that was one of the images. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, there's so much um, beauty, I think, that comes out of all of the uh, the uh, rawness. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you so much. And everyone, everyone, all the beauty that was shared today. Incredible. Thank you. One of the reasons among many that I thought the imagery that Trudy offered with the, um, the balls of yarn and the weaving is because to me, it's, it's a lovely embodied physicalized way of expressing what uh, Rosemarie you were talking about. And by the way, you, you, you called yourself a new sprouting something. Well, you're a rose, come on, Rosemarie, you know, <laughs> you're red. This, um, this web of, of connection, because classically, um, in uh, more, more classical formats, there are teachers and students. I even do it this way, you know. Um, and it's certain we have uh, acknowledgement of, of teachers and spiritual friends who have some experience. We call them head students. And uh, there is uh, respect and experience that does exist. And yet, what you see here today, what we're doing is a mutuality rather than a top-down you give me a question i'll give you the answer mm. and so does that make sense trudy i mean there, this is we i realize this this inquiry is a different it, it's taken a new shape mm. uh, through apamata's way of teaching which is relational which is based on so much of what you teach in hakomi and other things so i'm just reflecting on the preciousness of that just very different than the guru model, certainly, that you refer referenced, but also a traditional classic spiritual teaching model. I was just thinking, um, I hope she wouldn't mind me saying, but Chris Ulrich sent me um, a, a, a possible thing I could have attended, which was on deep listening, and, and she generously shared some of the pieces. And 
Um, what came to mind for me was a, an old uh, Sweet Honey in the Rock song about listen more often to people, to things than to beings. Mm. And it's, I don't know if you know it, it's the most gorgeous song about uh, the ancestors singing in the wind. And, and, and I was just having that feeling of these little, these little things that just, if we open ourselves to them and we, we can be tender and vulnerable and, um, and, and not know, um, but, but connect. Um, yes, to not know, but connect. And that feels like, um, you know, as, as someone who's leaned very deeply into self-reliance over a very long period of time, it's come to me a little late <laughs> that how connected I am. So it's not that I wasn't, but it's like a real, um, it's like something I really honor now. Yeah, you had to be scoured a bit. Yes, yeah, scoured, scoured. <laughs> and Robin's here, so. <laughs> and I think we're about to run out of time, so. Oh. Let's go for it. We are. Um, So many wonderful things have been shared. And Trudy, I, I know that song exactly. I was singing it as you were remembering it. And I've heard them perform it several times long ago. Um, but I have to say that um, my body is so um, in a state of um, anxiety because of what you began with, Flint, and the care that we have for one another. And perhaps, um, the mom who has lost a son in his embodied form is um, not ready to, you know, be um, uh, in public. Um, but I, I want to extend such um, care. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we both have just been holding that since we have a son and we have known um, too many people who have lost their sons. And so um, I knew that if I avowed that, my body would settle down a little bit. Mm. And sometimes that's all, mm -hmm. that's all. That's, that's all that's necessary. And also to just um, bring all of us to, to offering that family care. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. And you know, because it was made public when Kim and Madison had lost her son, you know, just a, a few a while back, um, just a few, just a few months ago. And this morning when we were texting, she said, uh, and the other young man who was lost, his name Kalen, she said, I told Fred to make sure he, you know, connects with Kalen. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't know about Kim's Kim actually. I'll I'll find out about that separately. Um, okay, thank, thank you. Thank you for mentioning. It. And we we'll know that name at least and hold them. Mm -hmm. And so, can you say the name again? Caleb. Kalen. Kalen. K a e l i n. Nice Irish name, Kalen. Thank you. And although we're right at the end of our time, I want to make sure we say hello to Wayne because he's had a rough go of it, and I just want to hear his voice a little bit just for a second. Thank you. Nice to see you. Nice to see everyone. Yeah, I've, I've been dealing with some fairly significant uh, health problems. But I wanted to say to Liz that I too have a vestibular disorder. I have 
an acoustic neuroma that crushed my right uh, vestibular nerve. Um, and that was in 2017. I spent a year being dizzy, but it got better and it continues to get better. And now I just have to deal with spatial balance. And uh, Liz, I also live in Colorado and you know, my, my heart is broken for friends uh, who have lost their homes in, in the fire. And I, I think of them almost daily. And, you know, uh, the, the last word is, uh, you know, I've, I've had the good fortune of being backpacking, camping at 12,000 feet where the moonlight felt like water as it, as it, as it encompassed us all. Uh, in, a, in a very beautiful way. I, I love that. I love the word leaking. Uh, I've been in that house. And, so nice to see all of you and uh, good to see you, Flint. I'm, I'm on the mend good. and uh, I'll be seeing you all on uh, at the inquiry. Good. It's so good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see all As of you. We uh, prepare for our uh, final voicing of the four practice principles. I'll also say that the uh, the mother of the young man um, who died is on the western slope and he passed in Fort Collins, Wayne. So, uh, so we have strong Colorado contingent today here. So I'll, uh, if you want to mute Trudy, just so we don't make a funny thing with the Zoom, <laughs> but please chant with me. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you, Trudy, so much for being at my side today and for all of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Flint and, and Trudy. And thank you all so much for, for being here today. Um, if you'd like to make a contribution off Adana, um, please do go to the um, website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. And there you'll find an opportunity to offer Dana to teachers such as Peg and Flint and uh, and the entrusted teachers, Josh, uh, not Josh, sorry, because it's because Trudy's been on, you see, I've got Josh in my mind. <laughs> to Laurie, Todd and Joel and, and for any other practice discussions, events or anything else. And please do take a look at the calendar. You'll see lots of wonderful events that you can take part in there. Thank you all so much, everybody. And if you'd like to continue to meet and share, please do stay right where you are for a further 30 minutes and we'll continue to uh, 
to share on the virtual porch as we as we call it so thank you so much everybody thank you